0: If you have a Bible, go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We're going to start there, but then put a marker in Galatians, chapter 5. And thank you, Ernest. That's a beautiful song. Gosh, that's good. That's the whole theology of the whole next series, actually. We're going to do Victory in Spiritual Warfare. We're launching a new series in, on Easter Sunday, Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God, so that'll be the start of, of the, uh, the Victory series. So. And I love the stage, I love the music, thank gosh. And then we have a Bible for the sermon. I got the easy part. Well, when you get good material, it's easy to have a good sermon. Yeah, all right, God bless you, you can go. Yeah, I'll let you go. Yeah. I'm going keep standing talking to you. Well, this is uh, the Sunday before Resurrection Sunday. I encourage you to not only be here, but be here early and bring a friend with you as we start a new series, The Victory That's Ours in Christ. Today I want to talk with you. I want to finish the series called "Hope Is on the Way." We've talked about the Bible being still true and a God is is still alive and and is in charge, is in control, even though it may not seem that way. That Jesus, uh, so the Father's still in control. That Jesus still saves. Talked about that last week. Today I want to talk to you about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the additional gift. The day you trusted Christ, you may not have known it, but you, the Holy Spirit moved in that day and and came into your life to help you not only be a comfort but to be a personal conviction and to help you live a holy life as you get ready for heaven. And that's the hope that we have. So I'm going to look at some passages in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 15, 16, those three chapters. And then we're going to finish in Galatians 5. But what, what I want to say is really, really simple today on the Hope is on the Way series. It says that, that Jesus, when he comes to give us salvation it doesn't end there. Sometimes we get all bunched up over Christmas and Easter as those are the big events. And they are the big events. But it doesn't end there because Easter is the resurrection. The day you trusted Christ was not the end of your Christianity. That was the beginning. You get this? It was the beginning of the relationship with God and Christ. It was the beginning of this new life that's ours and this new hope and this new future and this new home in heaven. It's the beginning of all that. So now... You're going to build on that. And the problem with it is is when you don't know what's happening, you don't know it's it's really happening. You you don't know what you don't know, right? And so when you don't know what you don't know, you need to find out who does know. And since we may not know much about the Holy Spirit, what we do is we find out someone who does. And Jesus will teach us because, okay, Jesus is with the Holy Spirit at creation and all throughout the Old Testament. See, he'll have a running start to help us get introduced to who this Holy Spirit is. And and so I want to read to you just some passages, and then I'm going to just give you seven observations about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 16 reads, And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking. And when you read the word ask, I'll ask the Father. He said, I'm t- going to talk to the Father. Some translations say, and I will pray the Father. Don't let that scare you. He's just talking to God, the Father. He's saying, I'm going to talk to the Father, and he will give you another advocate, sometimes translated counselor, okay? He will give you another uh, advocate to help you and be with you forever. It's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's comforting. Okay, turn the page to chapter 15 now. Verse 26, he picks up this advocate talk again. And when the advocate comes, I will send him to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, and he will testify about me. And then one more, chapter 16, turn the page there, verse 7. Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. He'll prove the world wrong. So He'll prove that what I'm saying, Jesus says, is true. So here are some observations about who this Holy Spirit is. Number one, the Holy Spirit is, number one, a person. Person. If you go back to chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate who will help you. It's not it, it's who will help you. And he will be with you, but you will, you'll know him, verse 17. You'll know him. Those are personal pronouns, not it pronouns, but personal. Okay? He's a counselor. He will be your best friend. Those are all personal pronouns. He'll have intelligence, the Holy Spirit is, is, is written about in Scripture as not only intelligence, as having feelings and a will. Those are all marks of personality. He'll be actively involved in people's lives. He'll speak into their lives and he'll help people. He'll hear You can actually, uh, the Holy Spirit will hear from heaven and hear what you're doing. So his actions speak of personality. Not of just a power. This is important to get because sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And there is a power of God. You ever walked in a room and you said, man, the spirit in that room was crazy? You ever been in a room like that? I have. It's called the day after Thanksgiving. You ever gone into a store? The spirit in that room was crazy. But that was not of God. And it was somewhat demonic at times, you know? But I still ripped that out of that old lady's hand and got it. You know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, victory. Thank you. Thank you for that. And there are times that the grammar rubs up against itself because ancient language, uh, particularly in the, in the Bible, it was written in Old Testament mostly Hebrew and then New Testament mostly Greek. Kind of a middle ground called Aramaic is another language that was used uh, sparsely. But but we do this even today. But those ancient languages did. They always put uh, they always put personality or kind of a, a humanness to what they were talking about. But you do that even today. You have a ship, a boat, you have a name on that boat, right? Uh, you have a car, that car has a name. That name has a personality, right? I mean, you just, you just, you just do. And, and hurricanes now have names. We didn't like the fact that the, the names were always women, so now the names are men. And, and uh, so I want a ship named Bob, no, I don't. I, you know, I just you you have uh, ships, and you have cars, and boats, and even names storms and hurricanes, and everything has a name. And with that, there's a bit of a personality. Now, sometimes people would begin to think, well, yeah, it's still an it, even though you name it. Yes, but when you realize there's feelings, there's intellect, there's communication, now we're realizing this is not a, just the power of the Spirit of God. This is a, the person of the Spirit of God. Number one, the Holy Spirit's a person. Why am I strangling out a net at it, what seems to be a small issue? Well, the, the issue is this. It comes down to believing that not only is Jesus the Savior, but the Holy Spirit will be your friend. Not just a power in your life, but your friend. It's very personal. And that completes the Trinity. Uh, I, I, it, there's, there's more at stake at this. Because it, it's more than just a power. It's personal. And you know you know, when someone says something that's disconnected to you, it doesn't matter to you. It's, but when they say something to you that it's personal, it becomes personal. And when we talk to God, we need to treat him correctly because it's personal. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, the Holy Spirit is deity. It's part of the Godhead. I will ask the Father verse 16 he'll give you another advocate he'll be able to help you as the spirit of truth and he says i will the end of the passage i will come to you jesus is saying i'll send one who's just like me i will come to you jesus is deity we believe the holy spirit is deity he has the attributes that only god could have the father could have he performs actions only god could do he announces acts that only god could do I believe the Holy Spirit is actively involved in the Old Testament as well. He shows up in a great way in the New Testament, but he was very active in the Old Testament, revealing the message, helping writers write copy of the scriptures, preserving it, the, the, and in so doing, we begin to realize the Holy Spirit's not only person, the Holy Spirit's deity. This is God. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is my counselor. Go back to verse 16, chapter 14. And it says. He'll be my advocate. He'll, he'll speak for me. Uh, the, the Greek word here is the word para, uh, 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 paraclete is the, is the big word. And clete means someone be, beside you. In para is that beside piece, para, like we get our word for parallel. Make sense? So you have a friend who runs parallel to you. You need that. And if you go to court, you need a paraclete. You need someone who has legal understanding to stand next to you. Does that make sense? Yes, you've been to court too. Okay, all right. So you have an advocate, sometimes translated counselor, chapter 15, verse 26. And when the advocate or counselor comes, get this, the Holy Spirit will be your best guide. He'll be your best counselor. He'll advise you. You can be open and honest with him. The disciples needed to hear that. Why? Because they needed a replacement for Jesus. They could always run up and ask Jesus a question, and now that he's leaving, they're not sure. So then he's saying, "Yeah, you'll have that. You'll have that friend, and he will live inside of you." Number four, the Holy Spirit is Christ's presence in my life, verses seventeen and eighteen. But you'll know him for he lives in you, and we in you. And he says, "I will not leave you. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. Don't worry about that." And who is he talking to? He is talking, this is Christ speaking, two committed followers of Him, of his. So he's telling them the Holy Spirit will be in you. This invisible friend will be in you, but only in you. This is important to get this, because some people believe, oh, the Holy Spirit is in everybody. No, he's not. He's only, invite, he's only in the lives that have invited Jesus as Savior. So it's as if there's a, you know what radio waves are? Radio waves are out, but only people who tune in get it. Okay, some of you don't understand that, so let's go to (laughs) Wi-Fi, right? One time, uh, my wife and I were shopping, and I was a little bored after seven or eight minutes, and so (laughs) I went out to the car, and we were at a strip mall, and I decided, I'm going to get online. Everything's secure. You ever done this? Tell me I'm not alone. So what did I do? I just walked down the strip mall until I found an open line someplace. And then I hacked in and got my messages and adjusted my bank account. No, I didn't. I... But you can pick it up if you can figure it out, right? Yeah, but you have to tune in and you have to have a receiver that will tune in or you don't know it's out there, okay? Get this, when the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't come into every life and every person and every place. And, and this is not pantheism. The Holy Spirit's not living inside of rocks and trees and in the ocean. It's not that. He comes and he lives inside the people who believe Jesus is Savior. And then Jesus says, I won't leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. This is the life of Christ living inside of you. It's Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet Christ lives in me, okay? Get that. Number five, the Holy Spirit is teacher and he's a guide to truth. Chapter 14, again, verse 16 and 17. Um, and, and he'll be the spirit of truth. Chapter 15, verse 26, when the advocate comes, I'll send him out and he will go and he will testify. You know, that he'll speak for me. He will be the best teacher for me. See, sir, there are times you just need to get a little more insight. You need to listen a little more. And, and, and I, this is why sometimes people will actually use terms like, I just need to stop and listen to the, what the Lord is saying to me. I need to sort this thing out and pray and then listen, listen. Number six, the Holy Spirit confirms the work of the Father and the Son. It's confirming. When the Advocate comes, chapter 15, verse 26, not only does he testify, but he says, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father. And in other words, you're only going to get the message that is the right message. So the Holy Spirit confirms what the Father has been saying. The Son sends him, comes from the Father, and now the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He'll seal the deal in your heart. And that's what you need is someone who will seal the deal so it's confirmed. Sometimes, you ever read a passage of Scripture and you go, oh, that was nice. And then a month later, you're in the midst of a problem and you remember this passage of Scripture. You ever had this happen? Like, oh, my gosh. That's the Holy Spirit bringing to remembrance the very truth. God wrote 2,000 years ago. But because it's quick and active, a it, writer of Hebrews says it's living and powerful, Because it's so powerful in our lives and living, he brings it back to memory, and we realize uh, that's the word. That's the teaching, and the Holy Spirit does that. Number seven, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Chapter 16, verses seven and eight. He says, very truly, I tell you. I I think this is a funny piece of the Bible, quite frankly. He's saying, I am telling you the truth as if I weren't before, no but he's saying this he's saying the truth is coming at you that's what he's saying don't miss this this is truth you can't get anywhere else and you better get it from me because this is only going to happen right here right he says i'm telling you the truth here it is verse seven and eight i am going away and i have to go away if i don't go away the counselor the advocate cannot come but when i go away he'll come he'll live inside of you and he will prove the world wrong He'll prove the world wrong about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. Right now, the world is thinking sin is okay. There's no such thing as right and wrong. Have you heard that this week? Judgment isn't for me. Don't be. Don't judge me. Right? The the biggest verse in the Bible for years was John three sixteen. Right? For God to love the world, and then it was love your enemies. Now it's don't judge me. That's what we quote. Yes. It's amazing how we use the scripture as a weapon and it will become a weapon on us if we don't listen to what Jesus is actually saying and what the Holy Spirit's confirming. The Holy Spirit will prove all those wrong things are actually wrong. Now, make no mistake. There are some, I'll just admit it, there are some weird Christians out there. None of them attend here, but there are weird Christians out there. But you know what? some people who don't buy into the message of jesus don't want to be around christians do you know why it isn't because they're weird it's because they don't like the sense that what they're doing is wrong and so they become defensive and in being defensive they push away that christians not rejection of the christian it's rejection of the truth it's rejection of i want to keep my sin i don't want the righteousness i'll take the judgment And so that may happen to you, I just wanna encourage you to stay faithful, stay gracious, stay kind, stay loving, but just know some people will push you away. That's gonna come. Jesus actually said it stronger than that. The world may hate you at times. I don't like that, I don't wanna be hated. I don't like bad press. I I don't like it. But it's gonna happen occasionally, you have to get over that. But we're overcomers to that, Romans chapter eight. And in the end, righteousness will win. And truth, I set to make sure that I keep myself right. The Holy Spirit convicts the world, us included. Now, what else does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit teaches and he guides. He seals our salvation. He assures us in moments of doubt. There are are lots of things we could talk about throughout the whole of New Testament. Uh, He takes up residency in our lives and he helps us and he empowers us. I, I could just do a whole series just on the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. That's another whole... Message or two or three, but what I want to do is this: I want to just, I want to ask the question: What does it look like if the Holy Spirit were to take over in your life? What would that look like? Well, that's Galatians chapter five, and in Galatians five, if you don't have it open, get there now because i, I we're going to read just a few of the verses. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says, "The fruit of this unfaithful, unfaith-filled life." is debauchery, it's self-destruction, it's all the bad stuff of life. That's the early part of chapter five. And he's saying, get away from that and instead run towards the things that are more like Jesus. And when you get to this kind of life, you'll know it. You'll know you're getting closer to Jesus when your life looks like this. He's saying, chapter five, verse 16, so I say, walk in the spirit. In other words, stay in stride, stay right there with the spirit, and you will not desire fulfill the desires of the sinful nature of the decrepitness, the debauchery of life. Instead, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is the outgrowth of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You could have all those to the full and no one's going to complain. There's no law that, that says those are bad things. He's, he's saying that's the fruit, that's the outgrowth of what the Holy Spirit does. Now, right now, some of us in the room are asking ourselves, well, I could be a little more forbearing or I could have a little more self-control. I need to work on that. That'd be okay for you to work on something. But you know what? That's not the real issue. The real issue is the Holy Spirit doesn't have that avenue, that corner of your life. That's the real issue. If I had an apple tree in my backyard and it's springtime and the blossoms come out and I really don't like apples, I want peaches, I could go out to that tree in the spring. When apples bud up, I could go to the garage, get a baseball bat, and send those into eternity. Just bat them right off. Right? Right? and I could say, shame on you apples, I want peaches, dang it, right? Is that, could I do that? Well, you've never seen me play ball, but yeah, I could get most of it. Bat those off. Next year I'd come back and I'd say, dang it, there better be peaches. They'd come back, guess what There's gonna be? Apples, why? Because that's the nature of the tree, okay? And I could knock them off again and that's what some of you are doing with sin. You're, you're just knocking them off, nipping them. You've got, if you wanna get rid of the weeds in your grass, and you got, what do you have to do? You have to go to the, the root. You can't just nip off the top. I can't just knock off the fruit. Why is it producing apples? Because the nature of the tree is apple. The only way it's gonna produce peaches is if I dig it up and plant a peach tree or if I engraft a peach branch into that. Okay, are you starting to get this now? You see, really, what we, what we have to be focused on is not the individual sin, and that's okay if you want to do that, but a by far better way to, is to ask yourself, why am I not totally honest with myself? Why am I not forbearing? Why do I not have joy? Why do I not have patience? It's because the Holy Spirit doesn't have full access to those corners of my life. I have some other things that need to be uprooted, in my life. And then, when the Holy Spirit has full access, it will flow out. The fruit can't help but produce, okay? And of course the analogy is is huge because there's pruning and there's care of the ground and there's nurture of 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 the growth of that tree and that's your life, that's Psalm chapter one, that's Galatians chapter five and other passages in the scriptures. But the bigger issue is this, what am I doing that impedes the Holy Spirit from having full access? Why is it that I have to always say something caustic? What's going on that the spirit doesn't own my tongue? James would ask that question. What is it that I always cover the truth? What is it that I I find myself so impatient with other people? I have no patience and I want patience when I'm wrong, but I don't exude patience when they're wrong. What is it that keeps me from full kindness and goodness And love. And why is peace so mystical? Ask those questions and ask the question, Holy Spirit, what what is it about my life that you don't have access to? Why do I not have peace? What is the struggle? You know what will happen? You'll begin to deal with the root of what's going on and you'll find yourself dramatically, dramatically changed. That's the evidence that you're a Christ follower and that Christ is really working in your life. Now, here's the message of hope. Because hope is on the way. This is, this is a great thing. I'm going to just give you three thoughts, and then we're going to close in prayer. The one is this. When God rescues me, and as he does, he brings me ongoing help. He doesn't just leave me. He's, he's partnering with me. He's sending me an advocate. Someone's going to stand parallel to me the rest of my life. But not only that, he's out to build character in my life. He is not out just to take me to heaven. He's out to make me like Jesus. So he's going to partner with me in this. So I don't have to do this on my own. And step by step, he'll help me. And God still changes lives. But he doesn't just change the lives of other people. This is where the hope is really great. He changes my life. My life. He changes your life. Yes, your life. So, here's the assignment this week. Hope is on the way. The Holy Spirit still changes lives. Holy Spirit, what's going on in my life? What needs changing to make me more like Jesus? You get it? Got it? Good. Let's bow for prayer and let's stand as we pray. Glorious Father in heaven, we thank you that the Holy Spirit still changes lives not just in first century christians but in 21st century christians and we want him to work in our lives so we ask lord bring to our minds this week the very things that don't look like jesus bring to our minds this week not stuff we have to work on but rather lord what is the cause behind that what is the root of that that keeps me from looking like jesus and lord may you may we never give up on ourselves since you don't give up on us and i pray this in the name of christ our victorious lord and the church says amen